Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez and welcome into a very special two-part episode featuring the Futures Game, the 2022 Futures Game, as well as the 2022 MLB Amateur Draft. It's been a while. We've actually been off for a few weeks here. I just wanted to kind of share some background on that and then we'll get you right into these two episodes. Uh, This will be the Futures Game episode with Gail Verderico. She is my special guest and uh, David Gasper obviously will be joining us as well. Basically, um, I was moving and it's been a a kind of a couple of weeks here. You guys know how it is with moving, uh, getting internet set up and packing up stuff. So my equipment was gone, but we have it all set up and ready to go. Um, in a new apartment here in Aliso Viejo, California. So uh, that kind of hopefully explains why we haven't been as consistent with some of those podcasts. But now that I'm settled in, we should be getting back to our regularly scheduled programming. And uh, as a way of making it up to you guys, your loyal listeners that are listening, here is a special two-part episode. So part one is going to be the Futures Game Recap. If you're interested in the second part of a futures focus. We will be talking about the MLB draft. And there is loads of content to go over coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. We have top 50 updates for every major league system. We also have a update to top 100s that we can go over. Um, first year player draft rankings. I mean, there is so much to talk about, not to mention all the wonderful second half stuff that we're about to see. Call-ups, guys in the minor leagues, It's going to be a wild and very, very fun second half of the season. So, again, apologize for not having a couple of episodes out for these last couple of weeks. We should be good to go. David Gasper, myself, lots of special guests coming up through the pipeline here. So, again, thank you for your patience. Again, uh, enjoy this two-part episode. And uh, this is, again, Futures Focus, Alex Sanchez. It's good to be back, guys. We will be uh, starting with Gail Verderico. Myself and David Gasper talking all about the Futures game that we attended. We actually were able to attend in the clubhouse and on the field for batting practice as well as see the game in person. So a lot of things to go over. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for all of your support. And Futures Focus, Prospects 1500. Enjoy. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
All right, and we're back. Gail Verderico is joining us here now, a special guest joining myself, Alex Sanchez, and David Gasper here. Gail, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you tonight, Alex? Great, great. Gail is our Cow League correspondent, so uh, we kind of have our backyard here together here in the Southern California area, and she also is our official photographer because you don't know, getting photography uh, and photos that is not like getting you sued all the time is quite difficult, so it's nice to have somebody that is uh, as good as you are that can kind of give us those photography uh, rights that we don't often, you know, when you post on the website, it's difficult. Anyway, uh, the behind the scenes. So, Gail, um, you and I were able and lucky enough to go to the Futures game. Um, and this was actually your third Futures game. So um, why don't you start there and kind of, uh, you know, how did this one compare to the previous Futures games? Uh, what did you like about this one? What wasn't up to your expectations? And we'll kind of start there. All right. Yeah. Um, You know, this one was a lot different for me because it was kind of, you know, my hometown and in my backyard. You know, the previous one was in Colorado. And then prior to that, uh, we were in Cleveland. Um, So I think it had a a lot different feel. Um, It was a lot more exciting. Uh, The the hometown guys with with all the media attention. um, It was it was good to see like those prospects that are local. Um, getting the attention that they deserve, kind of different from when you're in the other cities and it's more focused on like their hometown uh, players. So yeah. yeah would... ex- that must be really exciting for you because you are the Cal League writer. So you like all those, you know, the California teams, the Padres teams, you see all these guys, Diamondbacks, but I mean, your heart is still with those Dodgers. Um, you, you focus on those guys. You've met those three that uh, we'll talk about here in a second, Miguel Vargas. Uh, Cartea and Bobby Miller. So it must have been just extra special to kind of go through that and see how they were soaking it all in, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, most of these guys on the West Coast came up through the Cal League. So I've, I've seen them from the beginning of their careers. So it's great to see them now on a national stage getting some attention for, you know, their playing abilities. So it's, it was really exciting to kind of experience that with them. All right, let's just jump in right at the beginning, kind of go over what we were able to do and uh, maybe give some insight um, to some of these players. Uh, I learned a lot uh, in terms of kind of uh, what I didn't know so much about some of these prospects based on just watching their highlights, because those only tell you so much, but seeing them and their mannerisms, the way they interacted with others, the way they interacted with their other fellow players, uh, the way they took BP, the way they were even just fielding, grounders and even a little bit in the game. I know the game is just an exhibition and it's not the tell all, but you, you still can learn something there if you're, if you're trying to. So um, yeah, so we, we get in there and um, we get to go to the press box, which was a first for me. And I, you know, you've been there a few times you're in a season pro Gale, but for me, that was kind of cool to see you know, these are where the announcers are and, this is what it's like behind the scenes when they're up there watching the game. Um, and then eventually we got to go into the clubhouse and this is where it was really cool because it was just kind of free range. We went in there and got to talk to who, whoever would talk to us essentially. And these guys are really cool at the futures game. I mean, they're not the professional ball players. Um, let's say that we'll be at the all-star game. If you're going to the all-star game clubhouse, you know, I, I just don't know if they're all so anxious to talk to you, but it seemed like these guys, I mean, everybody we ran into Gail was so polite 
was willing to talk. It was not just yes or no answers. It was like detailed, even asking questions about us, how we were doing. I know um, Logan O'Hoppy asked, you know, from the fall league, his experience, how you were doing. It was really cool to see. So uh, just what do you think, Gail, about uh, heading into the clubhouse and how those guys felt and uh, uh, as kind of getting their first taste of the national scene here? Yeah, I definitely think uh, they're a lot looser than, like you mentioned, the, the major league guys. So they were like more relaxed. Again, you know, the futures game is a more relaxed game, less competitive. It's more about having fun and showcasing your skills. Um, the players definitely look forward to seeing um, other players that they grew up with, that they've played with before, players from their home country. Um, I just think they really enjoy um, the camaraderie that they get there. And uh, like you said, they're very friendly with the media. Um, we're able to get um, lots of good interviews and content um, from them. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, you can imagine who was getting crowded around. It was the Dodger guys. Um, hence, it, you know, being at Dodger Stadium. Bobby Miller, when we walked in, had a crowd of 10 or 11 people around him. Same with Miguel Vargas. Uh, you know, Jordan Walker was very popular. Francisco Alvarez, who... He was having a good time. And, you know, David, I don't love my catching prospects for Dynasty, but man, this guy is super easy to root for. I mean, he was looking for the cameras. He was looking for anybody that would talk to him. He has this big chain. He's walking around. He's messing with the other guys. Really loose, really confident player. So um, if, if you're looking for a catching prospect, that might turn the tide for me. It definitely might be Alvarez. But the one thing I wanted to talk about here is just seeing these guys in person, like walking next to them. And so I'm not the smallest guy, you know, I'm six foot one. Um, but some of these guys in there, they're enormous. <laughs> and just, I mean, it, it's weird as it is to sound, but like the body types that you see when you're just next to them can really alter your state of mind. So for instance, Yuri Perez is ginormous. Um, he is a large, large man. Uh, six seven, and he is all of that six, seven. <laughs> so uh, he was very, uh, very awe inspired to see. But the other guy that really was just like, wow, yeah, I can't believe you're that tall and you're doing those things in high A was Ellie De La Cruz. He looked mm -hmm. huge. He was, I don't know what he's listed as, but he was very tall, very well put together. And uh, I, I liked his attitude in the clubhouse too. I, I was just kind of observing him, you know walking around, saying hi to everybody, uh, just just joking around, very calm, cool, and collected, which is what I like to see at something like this. Um, Jordan Walker, another one. Uh, that guy is very, very – and you forget how old these guys are. I mean, what Yuri is, what, 19? Jordan Walker just turned 19, maybe 20. So the fact that, you know, they still got growing to do in some of these cases is kind of incredible. Um, so, Gail, we stopped, uh, we stopped by – couple of your Dodger guys. So I'll give you a, the mic here to talk about what you know about those guys kind of behind the scenes. So let's start with Miguel Vargas. I was really impressed with how uh, he always had a smile on his face. Um, his batting practice was very impressive. We'll get to kind of the who impressed me in batting practice. But, you know, I never really put Miguel Vargas in my top, top elite prospects, but I'm really starting to think so because I, I forgot or you forget easily. I guess I didn't forget. But triple a for this guy i mean he's knocking on the door what are your thoughts about miguel vargas with what you've interacted with him and how he looked at the futures game yeah i feel like he's like 
hasn't got the press that he deserved. I mean, it, the press on him has been very quiet all through um, him coming up through the organization. Um, you know, he he was highly touted, but just didn't get the press that the other other big guys got. Um, and I think he's quietly been able to progress. Um, you know, he's he's an infielder. I'm not sure where he's going to land. I don't know if third base is is going to be the spot for him. It could be first base. Um, but it's it's great that he's already in AAA. It's pretty amazing. You know, he's 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 like I said, he's moved up through the organization pretty quickly. And yeah, it's kind of weird to see that you know he could be in the major leagues next year when he was just in in Rancho Cucamonga, which is low A currently, um, a couple of years ago. And then Diego Cartaya, I didn't actually get to talk to him too much or observe him too much. So um, again, as David will attest here on the podcast, I'm not a huge catching prospect guy just because no, you dynasty, are not. Purposes, <laughs> dynasty purposes, uh, I don't know how much value they're going to have every single day for you. But um, I was impressed with him. A lot of power. I didn't, I didn't think he had that much power. So I was definitely impressed with that. But uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from him? I know he's a little bit farther away than Miguel Vargas or even Bobby Miller, but um, he is very highly rated in some circles, Diego Cartaya. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he definitely came with a lot of fanfare. Uh, you know, he came in to Rancho Cucamonga last year. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt after only playing about 30 games um, with the Quakes. Um, and he, then he came back and started this year with them and, you know, was only here for a few months before he got promoted. But yeah, he's a solid backstop. He's, you know, he's not small, got a good arm. And yeah, he definitely hits for power. He loves, you know, the flair for dramatics. He, he has quite a few walk-offs uh, in the first part of this season. And, you know, he, he kind of told me before the game that he was hoping to hit a home run at the Futures game. Unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't. He came awfully close, though. Yeah, uh, he did. We'll talk about that in a second, too. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I think he's got a, he's a bright, bright future. He's a great kid. Um, great personality. Uh, a lot of fun. So those two really did impress me. And I, I, and I hope this other guy's not listening because I do think he has a very, very bright future, but Bobby Miller, <laughs> he seemed like this was just, uh, another day for him. He, he was very nonchalant. We talked about this a little bit when we were there too, about, how he was, you know, he wasn't even dressed in his uniform. Everybody else was kind of out in their uniform. He And he's starting the game, by the way. It's not like he's coming in at some point. I mean, he's starting the game, Futures game, at Dodger Stadium. He is a Dodger. Um, and uh, he didn't come out throwing 101, 102 like he told me he was going to. He was only sitting 98. So um, as disappointed as I'm trying to sound, uh, you really can't be with that sort of arm. But Bobby Miller, your thoughts. Um, do you think he's just that confident where he's like, eh, you know what, this is this is just a little speed bump on the way when I get to the big leagues and people are really going to know who I am? Or is that just kind of who he is? He's just relaxed and chill and um, just going to fire it out there and, and surprise you with 101. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, unfortunately, I he you know he skipped uh, low A Rancho Cucamonga, went straight to to high A, so I didn't get to see him day in and day out. So I don't know what his pregame prep is like. But yeah, I, I found it um, a little odd, not the normal kind of starting pitcher uh, mentality that you get. Uh, granted, it was you know an exhibition game, but uh, yeah, I mean he seemed good during you know in the locker room during the media. But you're right, he didn't come out dressed and he seems pretty casual hanging out in the dugout. Um, I don't know, maybe he's just not a social guy, 
and didn't like want all the fanfare and all the press and be running around um, during VP, but uh, definitely um, was kind of an odd demeanor to me. But, um, you know, I thought he performed well. I thought I saw where he topped out at uh, 100. You're saying he only hit about 98? Well, yeah, I mean, it was tough because I remember the, the miles per hour didn't show up for the first couple of batters. But, yeah, I saw 98 a couple of times. But, I mean, uh, I was tongue-in-cheek there. I mean, 98, 100, those are just impressive numbers. <laughs> yeah, I think matter. I saw online he hit 100. But, yeah, um, definitely a little bit different than I expected. But, you know, I he's got the stuff. He's got four plus pitches and they're all above average. So I think he's going to do really well and he could see a late season call up, but I think most likely he, he would be in uh, Los Angeles next year. Yeah. Uh, so as, as negative as I'm, I'm obviously coming off the fact that he did have the one line where he's like, I already hit 102 once this year. And it was like, not even a big deal that that told me a lot about Bobby Miller and his future. I mean, if you can get some stocks of him, um, go for it. <laughs> uh, this kid, I just feel like there is a little bit of a red flag with kind of what we we're noticing, but I feel like that could also be turned into a huge positive where he's just like calm under all circumstances, bases loaded, nobody outs, and he just strikes out three. And that's kind of what he did. I mean, he gave up a run, he walked a guy, but he also struck out three in his inning of work to start out the game at Dodger Stadium. It, it was it was still impressive. Just kind of cool to see how these guys are so different. Um, but, David, we talked about three Dodger guys. Another team managed to send three prospects to the yes. game, and that is your Brewer. So uh, you've been quiet here. I want to like give you the floor here a little bit and then kind of compare to what we noticed about these guys. But Antoine Kelly, Jackson Churio, and uh, Joey Weimer were your three representatives. Uh, they all got some action in the game. We saw them at BP. Now we talked to Antoine Kelly a little bit. I'll tell, I'll share that story. But um, of those three, um, what what can you tell us? Not so much about their scattering report, but kind of like who they are, personality-wise, some of the insider stuff that you have as a uh, a Brewers guy. Yeah. So Antoine Kelly, I've had both Antoine Kelly and Joey Weimer on my uh, Cold Brew podcast, my Brewers-related podcast, um, and they are both very different. Uh, people from each other um you got joey weimer who's kind of you know a bit more uh extroverted you know kind of you know goofy guy that you know it's just kind of like fun to talk to fun to hang around with and i mean you kind of see it with the you know the mullet the the curly hair the giant muscles uh 100 max effort swing uh just kind of really more of a, a fun dude uh hang around antoine kelly uh is a bit more reserved uh, I'll say I, you know, definitely more of a quieter dude, not really, a, you know, the big overly emotional uh, type, you know, on the mound or really off the field either. Um, so he's, you know, a bit, a bit quieter in that regard, but he lets his, he lets his pitching do the talking. That is, that is for sure. And then Churio um, personality wise, I, I don't really know him, you know, that, that well, he seems like a fun dude and, uh, he rakes like one. Uh, he, all I know is that that man can hit, man. That that dude can can play baseball and really just light it up. And I know we've we've been starting to see some Ronald Acuna comps and uh, you know guys like that for Jackson Churio, which I'm sure you love uh, to hear, Alex. And you even told me 
that you uh, got a chance to talk to the next Acuna. Yeah, I felt like it was so funny. Uh, we were going around, you know, and as we got in there, the Dodger guys were very popular. Some of the high end prospects, very popular. Um, and then there was just three guys kind of sitting there by themselves with nobody around them. And it was, of course, your <laughs> three Brewers guys. Um, they're far from home, no doubt. Um, as you said, Antoine Kelly, very shy, reserved. He was on his phone. Churio doesn't speak English or very little as of now. And then Joey Weimer, like you said, extrovert. It was kind of cool <laughs> to say that because he was walking around ready for, to talk to people, but nobody seemed too interested in him for whatever reason. I think it's just <laughs> just the wrong market for him to be in right now in, uh, in L.A., they like those uh, Cal League guys, I think, a little bit. They know them, at least. But uh, it was so funny. I wanted to share this story, too. And it's no knock at Antoine Kelly. In fact, it kind of reminds me of Bobby Miller, just like calm, cool, nonchalant, just ready to go out there and fire the missile at, at guys and, and not at guys, but by guys, at least. And so uh, I talked to Antoine. I said, hey, I wanted to know if it was Antoine because it isn't, you know, sometimes it's. Anton and or whatever. I wanted to make sure the pronunciation. So I got Antoine Kelly told me and I was like, oh, you're pitching today. And he says, yeah, I think so. And I go, oh, what? They didn't tell you you're pitching. And it's like, yeah, they told me. And I'm like, well, when are you going in? And he's like, uh, I forgot. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, then, what a guy. What a character. Yeah. And then he went out there and he fired a, a scoreless outing as well. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter when he goes in, I think. But that was cool to see. And, and Cheerio is very, I mean, he's a slight, slightly built guy. I mean, he's 18 years old. But the, I mean, just the fact that he's there, that, uh, you know, some of these guys are, you know, two or three years into their minor league career. And this guy is just now starting out at 18 years old and he looked like he belonged. What an experience for him. I wish I could have dusted off my Spanish a little bit more to get what he was actually <laughs> thinking of, because I'm sure it was quite an experience for him. Yeah, I believe he was uh, the seventh youngest player in uh, Futures game history, something like that. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And um, I think the youngest ever was Jose Tabata, I think, if I remember correctly from the list. Yeah, I mean, the type of players that get this honor and are are phenoms. Like, I mean, Jason Dominguez is the guy that I think of because he had not played at all and he got the call last year. Um, and we all know about Jason Dominguez. And so this guy has put on tape a little bit more than Dominguez had at this time last year. Um, and here he is. So, I mean, if you don't know who this guy is now or if he's available in your dynasty league, you have to go get him <laughs> right now. Um, in fact, where did you end up putting him for your your top 100? For my top 100? Uh, I'd have to pull it up, but it was definitely within the top 20. Yeah. Top I think 20. it was like 17 or so. Yeah. And uh, he was, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have the list off the top, but he's a tier one for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, Gail, we'll get back to the uh, the Cowley guys, too, because there's a couple that I wanted to talk about. Um, and it was Robert Hassel III and Jordan Lawler, two very different personalities, I noticed. Uh, Robert Hassel kind of just seemed to be a, a stoic figure. Um, he was very polite, um, but I don't know if he smiled the entire time we were talking to him at all. Um, yeah, yeah. He didn't seem like he was bothered by us, but at the same time, he almost felt like he was just like shy, but not, not like intimidated, but he just like didn't know exactly what to say. He didn't want to say the wrong thing, I guess. And then Jordan Lawler was kind of the opposite. Very, very uh, smiles aplenty, 
shaking our hand and uh, was, you know, asking questions and, and saying some just just a little bit more outgoing. I suppose that just means nothing in the long run. I uh, just something to notice. So um, Robert Hassel. Cool. I, I, I wanted to introduce myself. I told him if CJ would just graduate that he'd be number one. I don't think he knew what I was talking about. But <laughs> still, um, Jordan Lawler, though, I mean, we, we talked about Jackson Churio getting the call this early. I mean, we can't overlook the fact that Jordan Lawler is at this futures game as well, just being drafted and coming off of a major injury where he didn't even get to play really um, last year. So we don't see drafted guys like him here too often. Um, I do know Henry Davis was supposed to be here, but he had a, an injury, so he was scratched. But I mean, Jordan Lawler being here is is very impressive, just like Cheerio was. Um, but I, I was very, very impressed with Lawler. And Hassel is, uh, seems like he's all about <laughs> the business. I mean, anything to add to that, Gail, with, uh, you know, these guys a little bit too, from your Cal League days as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I mean, Jordan Lawler essentially is at low A level. He, he started this season here at low A. I think he went up to, to high for like a couple of weeks and he's been back at low A, um, right before the futures game. So yeah, it's pretty impressive for, I think a low A player to get the call to the futures game. And then, then Hassel, yeah, he, like he said, he was very stoic and which is very odd because if, if you follow him on social media, you'll see he is like out there. He's yeah, like, his, his outfits. <laughs> if you saw him, he oh, had yeah. quite the outfit on, you have to go search it on Twitter to find it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, but it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. He's all about uh, his outfits, his, his, his bags, his cars. And he does like, he posts a lot on social media, so he's not shy on social media. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting uh, difference there between in-person and his social media presence. So after uh, we we moseyed around in the National League, which pretty much all of the National League guys were in that clubhouse. It was the Dodgers clubhouse. It was very nice, very big. Um, we moseyed on over to the American League clubhouse, which was a lot smaller and there was a lot less people there. Um, I don't know where they all were when we went over there. I, I know a few were probably in the cage, but I mean, it, it's, it felt like there was six or seven people in that clubhouse as opposed to like 25 in the other one. Um, and we didn't really even get to talk to too many people in the American League. Um, I saw uh, Taj Bradley was getting interviewed by Sirius and MLB Network about starting the game, which is kind of cool to see for him. I think that was... I guess looking at the roster here, I mean, I don't know who else would have started over him, but I guess uh, to me, it was kind of a surprise to see him starting, even though he's been fantastic this year, but a, a very cool thing for him to experience. Uh, Anthony Volpe was there. He was crowded by a lot of people. Um, I was listening to some of his answers. They were good, very uh, polished answers. He's going to be ready for the New York media, which I mean, that's no small thing that that can derail careers if you're not ready for it. So I think he is going to handle that market just fine with uh, the way he was talking and saying all the right things. Um, just a couple other guys in there. I mean, we saw Emerson Hancock. We saw a couple of the guys that kind of got added late. Um, I think we saw Wilmer Flores was in there just kind of hanging out. Jack Leiter came in a little later. Kai um, Bush. Yeah, Kai Bush in there. I saw it. Yeah, you're right. Giving an interview. But uh, a lot of the other guys weren't there. Um, I didn't, you know, Dominguez, Gunner, Henderson, Valera, Noel, Mead. We didn't see any of those guys in the dugout. So um, we didn't. That, that was kind of a disappointing time, I guess. If there was one disappointment, it would be the the American League clubhouse. Wouldn't you say, Gail? 
Yeah, I would agree that, like I said, there wasn't a lot of activity there. And I don't know if they were already on the field or like you said, we did see some yeah. of them in the cages, but yeah, yeah, there was a lot less activity and excitement in the American League clubhouse. Yeah, it was, it was essentially Volpe and that was it. <laughs> I mean, everybody else, I don't know where they went, but uh, after that point, we did manage to get onto the field despite uh, one of those ushers trying to tell us we needed an escort of some point. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, <laughs> You you thought he was joking at the start, and he pointed to me. I was like, he's the escort, <laughs> talking about me. And he's like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, you need an escort. Okay. Um, so uh, after a few minutes of talking, they realized that they made a mistake and that we were allowed on the field. So that was a little bit of a scare, but we did get on there. And that's when I really started to learn uh, about these players um, in terms of their routines, their swings, how they uh, go about, what they are doing with this opportunity, which is a great opportunity because it's not only are you getting highlighted on national media, but also what the team thinks about you, right? The team doesn't just send anybody. They think about this decision. They're sending the guys they want there. So not only have to, you have to put up the stats, you have to have the tools, but you have to be somebody that, you know, the, the franchise views you as a foundation, right? Somebody that you're going to be up and, and you're going to make a difference because that's what they're selling to the fans that are, are taking place. By the way, we didn't talk about this either, but having the Futures game in the middle of Saturday with a lot of other major league games going is kind of silly. David, what do you think about the idea that, you know, this could be a national stage for some of the future all-stars, and yet if you have a major league team, they were probably playing during this time. Yeah, it's the the way they've kind of set this whole thing up. Like, I get what they're trying to do. Like, you know, kind of give yourself like a whole big week, like the NFL does with uh, Super Bowl weekend, or what um, you know the N- the NBA does with their All Star stuff, or the NHL with their All Star stuff. But you know, I, I think it's just kind of so much, and none of it really gets a, a chance to kind of shine on its own, except for the Derby and the All Star game. I mean, you got the you got the futures game, you got the draft, you got uh, the celebrity all-star softball game, you got like all this and like none of it really kind of gets its own time. Like they put it during the day on a Saturday, like everyone's busy. Uh, you know, you couldn't really watch it live unless you had, uh, I think I think it was only on Peacock. Peacock. Like, mm. Yeah, like Peacock streaming or something. And then like, M- like MLB Network wasn't even carrying it live, like. I think the whole setup, like what they're trying to do, like they're trying to give some of the stuff like a bigger stage, like the draft and the, and the, I mean, the futures game has always kind of been around this time, but you know, because of, because of the draft and everything, it's kind of pushing everything else off. I think the draft should be at a different time. Uh, but I mean, we could, we could probably go into that, you know, a whole separate podcast, but um, like move the draft to a different time and have the futures game that, Sunday night. All the games are going to be done by Sunday afternoon. Have the Futures game that Sunday night, and then your home run derby on Monday, All-Star game on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I think that's better, but it's also quite silly to have a home run derby and an All-Star game on Monday and Tuesday. Um, I feel like those need to be weekend events uh, to get some more attention on there. I mean, what are you going to do out? Go to a bar and watch the All-Star game on a Tuesday night? I, I just feel like it. it makes it seem like it's not that big of a deal when you put it on a, a Tuesday. A Monday you can get away with. I know national championships, right, in Monday Night Football take yeah. place on Monday a lot. But Tuesdays still, you got wing specials at B-Dubs, uh, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. So 
true. There's that. That's true. Um, it, it just seems like there's got to be a better way to do it um, where you don't have to have these future. I mean, we, Gail, you can attest to this too. We went to the futures game and what i mean obviously we watched the game afterwards when we got onto the field and you could sit legitimately anywhere you wanted um until about the sixth or seventh inning and then the stadium was packed and not for the end of the futures game mind you but for the start of the celebrity softball game which had a uh, bad rabbit or, or bad somebody <laughs> or other bad buddy oh that's right bad bunny um uh, and, and that was and then all of a sudden he walks out and the stadium is packed and it's like, really? I mean, I get that you want to, that the celebrity softball game is fun. There's, I'm not trying to bash on that, but I mean, it just, I wish they made more of an effort to, to promote this, the futures game. Yeah. As someone who loves minor league baseball and prospects, it was really disappointing to see the stadium so empty and then have everybody pile in for that celebrity softball game. I mean, it just kind of fits the, the LA stereotype. <laughs> I mean, that's true, too. We can't discredit that for nothing. Definitely a, a factor into it. Um, all right. Um, I guess uh, we're running out of time here, but I do want to kind of go over the batting practice. That was, you know, it's batting practice. I get that. Let's just start with that caveat. It's batting practice. But at the same time, it's batting practice at a major league stadium where probably 90% of those guys have never been before. With guys like Jimmy Rollins and Adrian Beltre, CC Zabathia, these are guys just sort of walking around in the background. Uh, coaches there, media's there. Like it's a big batting practice. So yeah, it's just batting practice. Yes, the coach is just throwing meatballs in there, but there is still a lot of eyes on you and a lot of pressure. So I think that getting some information out of this isn't all that crazy. And that's why I'm going to kind of share some of the things that I saw. Um, and I, I will post some more. I posted a few of the ones that really caught my attention and I'm going to start with that. Um, and I have some more to post. So check my, my Twitter as well to see some of those. I have some slow motion ones and some live action ones as well. But the guy that really, really impressed me was Ellie De La Cruz. This is a switch hitter. This is a guy that is, you know, doing insane things in high A and by the way, he is coming back to double A after the break here. So we're talking about this 19, 20-year-old in double A, 2020 already, essentially. Um, switch hitter, blazing fast, beautiful swing. Uh, and I just love the way he handled himself. He was joking around. He, man he managed to find Eric Davis, former Red great, and talk to him, make sure he was getting acquainted with that. Just the awareness of that for such a young kid is impressive. So Ellie De La Cruz is a name, much like David, your Jackson Churio, where you know about this guy, you've, you've heard about him, but if you're not jumping on him now, it's going to be too late. And it's probably too late for Churio. It's probably too late for De La Cruz. But if they are, again, somehow available or somebody uh, is willing to trade them, you go get these two guys. Um, and Ellie De La Cruz was one of the most impressive guys that I saw there. Um, Gail, did anybody else that, uh, you were mad at, I mean, you had some beautiful photography as well. Um, check out your Instagram, um, to get that. Some of those, some very, very cool shots. Um, it's, uh, by the way, I have that Instagram here, so I should share it's baseball underscore Gail. I don't know how to introduce Instagram very well. Is that what I do? I just say baseball <laughs> underscore Gail. And then yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you go to Instagram, 
Um, I should probably start to to get on that one of these days. But uh, do you have an Instagram, Alex? I have a personal one. I have a personal one, yeah, but I don't have it for like anything else. But anyway, oh, right. Uh, uh, Gail, did anybody else just sort of grab your attention that you weren't expecting um, as you were going around? Uh, we were kind of separated at this point, so I don't know who you were watching or who you were uh, having an eye on. Um, but anybody jump out of the page that, uh, that you saw down there on the field? Yeah, no, you're right. I spent most of my time uh, taking photos uh, around the cages versus, you know, st studying the cages like you were. Um, I'm trying to remember who was hitting the bombs there at the end. I think from the American League. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, I'm gonna get to those guys too. Okay. The, but that was John Kensky, Noel, and yes. Oscar Pullis were the two guys that were just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, speaking of a beast, that guy's a beast. Uh, John Kensky. Oh my god. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we could talk about him now too. I mean, uh, again, it's batting practice, but not everybody is is hitting home runs and not everybody is hitting home runs that are legitimately going out of the stadium. Noel is one of those guys. He, he definitely hit the furthest home runs. Now to be fair, he, he would pop up a bunch too. And then he would just go on. Then he would hit a mammoth. Oh, they did. He did have a streak where he hit like six in a row. That was very impressive. But John Kenzie, Noel, huge guy. You could tell he wants to hit the ball as hard as he can you could just kind of tell that demeanor with some guys. Um, but the other guy that I didn't really know too much about, um, Oscar Colas from the White Sox. He was a left-handed version almost of Noel. Um, he is he did play center field, so he's a little bit more athletic than Noel. But he was dropping some bombs, too. I couldn't believe the swing and the bat speed that he was generating. I was very, very impressed with him. Um I was also impressed with uh, Matt Walner, and I tweeted this out before he hit his home run, so uh, you can't say that it is uh, recency bias or anything like that. But Matt Walner had a fantastic batting practice. I mean, it was he's flicking the bat at the ball, whereas Noel is like literally using all of his frame to try to crush the ball. Walner just had a very nice and easy flicking the ball out to left, and it was going out by many rows and then hitting the ball to right. Um, and it, that's when I said, you know, I, I know Matt Walner and I kind of had moved on from him. He brought me back a little bit this year cause he has been hitting a lot of home runs, but that was some easy, easy power for him. And, uh, he did hit one during the game as well. Um, so I was very impressed with Matt Walner. Um, and then Jason Dominguez, man, <laughs> Jason, I don't know how that guy got so much hype. It must be a Yankees thing. And I'm not saying that he he doesn't have a chance, but he is so small. <laughs> he is so tiny. Like he is five nine. He looks like Jose Altuve. Am I wrong, Gail? No, no, not at all. He's definitely one of the smaller guys out there. No, he's built like a tank. There, and he's not built like Altuve. And he, but he is so tiny. Um, and his swing is his swing is interesting. It's very similar left and right. I mean, it looks identical. It's a mirror version of, his, of itself, which is impressive. Um, he had an interesting day. He did hit, hit a home run, um, but he also dropped a ball in center field. That was uh, pretty embarrassing, to be honest. But And he had a strikeout, too. So all over the bat for Jason Dominguez. Um, try, I'm looking through here. Uh, Denzel Clark, also massive human being, loved his personality. He was out there joking. And then somebody said... 
I think it was Valera said something about like, hey, try to hit a bomb. How many are you going to hit during this batting practice or something? And Clark said, no, I got to hit the ball to right. I got to get my swing going that way. And I was impressed with that response because, you know, he didn't think anybody was listening. Anybody like me was listening. And uh, to say something like that showed me a lot about Denzel Clark. Um, and then finally, uh, Zaydan Rafiala, which I believe is how you pronounce it. That's how the the uh, the media sheet said it's Zaydan Rafaela. Um, very small guy, actually a lot like Jackson Churio, David, um, in terms of the body type and sort of kind of bursting out on the onto the scene as well. Was not super impressed with how um, his, his swing was as opposed to Churio's. Um, then you add in the slight fl- the frame, but you can't argue with the results that he's been doing um, down in uh, the minor leagues so far this year. Um, Anybody else come to mind, Gail, that uh, you wanted to kind of shout out even during the game? No, I think we definitely had all the finer points. Yeah. So if, if you're listening to this, there's a very good chance that you watched the game. David, you, you ended up watching the game, right? Or at least some of it. I was not able to uh, to catch much of it. I was uh, very... Uh, I was busy this weekend. I think yeah, well, there you to... go. That our whole <laughs> argument we're trying to make backed up. The guy that does this for Proskis 1500 can't even get it because it's Saturday during the ridiculous four o'clock. Yeah, oh, four o'clock. I, four I, o'clock. I do not have the the Peacock streaming thing. Oh, that too. That yeah. My package. I don't have MLB Network at home either. And then I was at a Northwoods League game. So yeah, good job. Yeah. Um, look at the next prospects down the road. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, eh, come on, MLB. I mean, just hire somebody that has common sense and you you can fix all these problems. Seems pretty easy. Um, From during the game, though, a couple of things that stood out, I think, for me that, again, it's just one game. It's an exhibition. But some of these guys are trying to show off their tools. For me, the best example of that was Mason Wynn, a shortstop for the Cardinals. He threw a ball over 100 miles an hour to first base on a routine ground ball. I mean, you're obviously not doing that if it's a game that truly matters because there was no need. He had the guy by like 25 steps, but he's, <laughs> he has an absolute cannon. He did make an air. Um, and I think the glove part is, is definitely not quite there yet. I think eventually with that arm and the range that he has, the glove will be fine and he'll turn into an elite defender. But man, that is a rocket rocket arm um zach veen also kind of a lanky taller guy than i was expecting um i I, you know i view hassle and him very similarly because of their draft they came out of and their high school status during that draft but zach veen is much taller and much more lanky and a little bit more athletic than hassle i would say he stole two stolen uh, he had two stolen bases during the game flying around did get three at bats i think he's the only guy to get uh three at bat no a couple of american league guys got three at bats um, so that's, that's kind of cool to see for him. Um, Shay Langoliers was your MVP. He put forward a, a very good game. I, I saw him in batting practice. He was so business oriented with his batting practice. I mean, he was, I, I don't know how to explain it, I guess, in this, in kind of without showing video of it, but I mean, he was all about that batting practice and how he was going to get ready for the game. Just what kind of you want to see from a catcher. He was asking know adrian beltry behind him exactly what what he was supposed to do in each round i mean nobody else was doing that except uh langoliers threw out a guy uh had a home run 
sad the Braves had to send him out, but uh, Matt Olson's okay. Um, Justin Harris had two hits. I, I really liked seeing Harris and uh, Gunnar Henderson, the guy, two guys that you know we talked about here on this podcast trading for one another in my dynasty league. Um, Gunner looked good, but Dustin had two hits, so I guess I won that trade 100%. Um, in terms of the pitching, um, Emerson Hancock looked really good. I mean, that's he was throwing 96, 97, and it was a heavy sinking fastball. Really, really impressive. Um, he has a he's very tall as well, very good pitcher, frontline starter type of body. Taj looked good out there, and uh. Walden Chuck, your guy that you were talking about earlier, David, he looked very good. Um, it was hard at the end. I mean, it was getting some guys were getting like two at bats, one at bat, and then getting sent off. But um, I think that's about it. Yeah, Yuri Perez also looked fantastic out there. Um, excited to see him. Triple A. Max Meyer got the call up. We didn't really talk about that yet. Uh, we have to have a whole other episode of news, I think, to make up for some stuff. But um, Yuri is on the way up next. But um, anything else to add, Gail, David, to uh, kind of that futures game summary? No. It's a it's a fun event, and you can get carried away. I totally realize that this all may be for nothing down the line, but. At the same time, getting to see who they are and not just the names on the numbers on the pages, but who they are as a person like these. There's a lot of different personalities out there uh, and it can tell you a lot about about the guys when you you add. It's not the only way to look at it. So uh, when I tweeted out about L.A.D. La Cruz, it was funny. A couple of guys uh, were just telling me, oh, his batting practice, like who he's done nothing yet. And it's like, OK, yeah, I mean, I guess. I'm not basing all of this out of his batting practice, but I was basing what I've seen before, the stats that he's putting up, and now what I'm witnessing here firsthand, all that kind of goes to the puzzle. So that's what the future game is. Seeing guys that you don't get to see regularly or in person or something like that, just how they handle themselves can be very, very, uh, very, very valuable. So um, I guess that's it. So uh, Gail, thank you uh, so much for joining us. It was a pleasure attending the futures game it made it a lot less nerve-wracking for me that was really the first time being in a clubhouse with major leaguers or soon to be major leaguers but having you there was uh very nice and um i appreciate you coming on to the podcast and uh, people can follow you at uh twitter at one baseball underscore gale and uh, you should definitely follow uh, to get some of those beautiful, beautiful pictures and um, some Cal League talk as well. So, Gail, thank you so much. Anything else that you wanted to mention on the podcast that maybe you're working on or future plans for you here at the site? What are your uh, your goals here as we finish out the second half of the minor league season? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And, you know, I, too, enjoyed uh, your company at the game. Uh, it's very exciting. As far as the rest of the year, I'm definitely continuing to for my coverage of the, the Cal League. Um, and the beautiful thing is I get to enjoy some out of Cal League uh, experiences as well. Um, I usually head up to the Pacific Northwest. So I did that earlier this year. I'll be heading back um, to cover AAA Tacoma and High Everett uh, next month. So not just Cal League, but mostly Cal League. Nice, nice. Yeah, Southern California. Yeah. What do you think about that, David, over there in the Midwest? You know, I'm in, I'm enjoying the, the summer over here. So, uh you know, it's good. 
I get to uh, get to enjoy my seasons, enjoy the Northwoods League, and uh, hopefully soon Jackson Churio and Appleton. But we'll see. Ooh, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. And yes, I am jealous of those seasons. We we seem to skip over some. And the beer. Oh, we got <laughs> we much better beer. beer over here. Oh, I don't know about that. We are the. Oh, uh, I do. Craft I beer much. capital. This is Wisconsin, man. We were settled by Germans. I mean, you're, right, you're still got... is the Brewers. Yeah, that is tough to argue. But we you don't are... like sour beers, so how can I trust? <laughs> how can I trust you? Because I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, it is time to drink some beer, so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up this part of the Futures Focus podcast. Again, this is a special two-part episode. We have Gail here talking about Futures Game. We also have a part two episode with Sean Kernahan, who we're going to jump on here right after this as well. Didn't want to bombard you with a like three-hour-long episode, so if you're continuing to want some more coverage on Futures Focus, we have a second parter coming at you this way. But for now, we'll sign off. David Gasper, Gail, my uh, myself, Alex Sanchez, Futures Focus. We are, uh, we'll see you soon.